Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. Well, good evening, everyone. I am excited to uh, have the opportunity to speak uh, to you tonight, and my goal in this message is to get y'all excited about Jesus. My goal in communicating is to stir up a love and devotion to who Jesus has revealed himself in the scriptures, his time on earth, and how he's revealed himself to us through the Holy Spirit after his resurrection. And I just pray that that you'll just leave with a sincere love for Jesus of Nazareth. And so uh, as we get started, I want to tell you about a, a different guy. It'll point to Jesus, but... In the, in, the, in the 1800s, the late 1800s, um, many runners, any runners in the room or ex-runners, maybe you ran in high school or something like that. Gosh, I, had, I never understood runners. Like, you just go run and torture yourself for fun. It's just like, why are you doing that? But uh, runners in the late 1800s, they set out to break uh, a record to, to run the mile in under four minutes. And so in the late 1800s, they attempted to set this record in, in Australia and in Europe and in different parts of the world. And for over, for over 70 years, or around 70 years, no one had done it. They had come close, but nobody had broken the four-minute mile in a recorded run. And then there was a man by the name of Roger Bannister, if you've heard of him before. And Roger Bannister broke the unbreakable record or the unbreakable barrier of the four-minute mile. On May 6, 1954, he ran a 3 minute and 58 second mile mile run. So what it had taken 70 years to accomplish, he did in one day. Against a lot of of bad running conditions and many of people who criticized his running techniques and his training. But he broke the record. It was interesting what happened after he broke the record though. 46 days... After he broke the barrier, another runner ran the the mile and broke the four-minute barrier. This in three minutes and 58 seconds. So 46 days after he broke it, somebody else broke it. And then one year later, in one race, in one year later, in one race, three runners ran a sub-four-minute mile. Since then, over 1,000 runners have recorded a time of under four minutes in their mile run. A thousand runners. Bannister's achievement unlocked the possibility for the rest of the world. And this is what it shows us. If one person can endure and persevere suffering and impossible odds, they become a light to all who are yet still in darkness. And what we learn is that if one person can pioneer towards an achievement, others can look to them for endurance on their way to a goal. And so by looking to an example, it gives hope to suffering. It brings patience to our perspective, and it brings meaning to our moment. And so in a similar fashion to Roger Bannister, Jesus of Nazareth, who is a real person, who was really on this earth, who was really God to come visit us, Unlock, did not only just forgive us of our sin by dying on a cross, 
but he unlocked the possibility of an abundant life and a meaningful life to all who would follow after him. He unlocked possibilities for us. So here's my encouragement to myself, because all my messages I just preach to myself. Let's stop looking to our feelings. Let's stop feeding our anxieties. Let's stop paying attention to all the people who have failed. And let's zoom in to the man Jesus who never once stumbled. Pastors have stumbled, parents have stumbled, siblings have stumbled, spouses have stumbled. All of humanity has stumbled and have left us with a bad taste in our mouth. But there is this one person the devil would like nothing more than for you to focus on people when Jesus is the one who sets us free. He would love for you, teenager, he would love for you, young person, to look at all the moral failure of pastors and other Christian leaders so that you would lose hope in the man Jesus. But the devil knows that if you look at him, the pure light that's been revealed to us, and that no darkness could overcome him, the devil knows if you would look to him, you wouldn't give up. That if you would see him, Jesus, for who he truly is, then you would endure the difficult family situation. You would endure the sickness that you're fighting for healing for. You would endure the the doubts and questions that you would have. And he would love nothing more for you to get your focus on yourself and broken people. That doesn't give justification for broken Christian leaders or pastors. It doesn't give them an excuse. But I am calling us as Christians to a higher place. To not idolize, don't idolize me, don't idolize Pastor Dwayne, don't idolize us. We are humans, we'll always fail you. And that can hurt your endurance. So my message can be boiled down to this, that I want to learn, and that I'm learning, is I want to learn holy endurance. I want to learn a holy endurance. I'm going to be reading out of Hebrews 12 today. Verses 1 through 3, and so let's dive right into it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such, or from sinners, such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So once again, I want to learn holy endurance. In these three verses we read that we look to these cloud of witnesses, we lay aside every weight, and we strip off the sin which clings so closely so that we can run with endurance. And then we see that Jesus, as we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter perfecter of our faith, when we look to him, he endured the cross, giving us the example of what endurance looks like. And then in verse 3, he says, now consider Jesus and what, what a hostility he endured. So consider what Jesus went through so that you can have endurance. So three things, right? So we consider, right, our race that we're in. We then look to Jesus and then we looked at what he went through on his time in his time on earth. So, my first point for us tonight 
to learn this joyful or hopeful or holy endurance is getting the right race. Hebrews 12.1, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Has anyone ever felt like that before? That you hate your sin? You've wanted to stop it? You've went to God and you've said you're sorry 40 times. You've made 98 pledges that God will never do this again. And it just seems to cling so closely. You see, the devil is trying to, he's trying to communicate to you because it's close, it's who you are. It's not true. Just because just something's close doesn't mean that's your identity. Just because it's close doesn't mean that's you. It just means it's close. And so we have to strip off this sin, which we'll get to that, and we have to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Don't run your neighbor's race. There's a race that God has set before you. There's a parable in the Gospels of of the talents. and One was given five, one was given three, one was given one. The one with five multiplied, the one with three multiplied, and the one with one buried what he had. Stop comparing yourself. Take your life, what's been given to you, and use it for the glory of God. You know, when you stand before God someday, Daniel, Daniel uh, this morning, Pastor Daniel talks about living for eternity, living for that day to, to transfer our currency from earth into a heavenly account. And listen, when you stand before God on judgment day, he is not going to say, well, yeah, okay, I, I get it. And you're going to say, well, God, my spouse my spouse. You're going to say, oh, well, I didn't have as much money as my neighbor. Well, God, I, I grew up in a divorced home. I, I, I have this excuse, that excuse. I wasn't as smart. I wasn't good looking. I didn't have the resources. I was born in the wrong neighborhood. I was born in the wrong ethnicity. There's all these excuses that we can pile up. And on that judgment day, Jesus is going to look to us and say, what did you do with what I gave you? Every excuse is eliminated in the presence of Jesus because he has given you the ultimate gift of Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit. Culture will tell you that you should make excuses. Culture will tell you to make excuses. Culture will tell you to make more excuses. Culture will tell you to make excuses about the excuses that you have. But Jesus, on that day, he will look to you and say, I gave you my son. I gave you clear, I gave you the scriptures. What did you do with the life that I gave you? You cannot run someone else's race. You can't run someone else's race. So we should honor other people's life and their gifts. We should honor them. And when someone has someone that we wa- something that we want or they're in a position that we want or they're, they're, they're living a lifestyle that we desire, we should bless them, not curse them. We should honor them, not be jealous of them. And we could realize that God has given me this lot, whatever it may be, the world may consider it nothing, but on that day, it's my race. It's my life that God's given me. It may not be fair, but God, guys, what God did for us was not fair. A perfect servant who came and died for our place, your broken, nasty sin life, he exchanged it. That's not fair. 
And the culture would love to communicate the message that you're not responsible for your life because of circumstances. Friends, we are responsible for our life. Let's get in the right race. Let's get in the right race. Stop comparing our journey, our life on Instagram and Facebook and, oh, they have all these grandkids. I want grandkids. Listen, God has given you what you have. Don't compare the marriage that you see on Instagram or Facebook because they're posting and they're fighting five minutes later. Don't compare yourself to the person on Instagram who has the, the, the newest shoes or the jewelry or the, the followers. Don't compare it because you have no idea what they're dealing with in the secret place of their heart. God's given you your life. Run the race that God has given you. Be in the moment. Be present. I know it's not enough just to say stop comparing. It's, we're much more complicated people than that. My encouragement is that God has a life for you. God has a life through Christ that is abundant, that is full of meaning, that is full of joy, that is full of holiness and righteousness. But if you are always comparing yourself to everyone else, you will never live the life that Jesus has died for you to live. And I'm sitting here as someone to say, the worst compare myself all the time to people or I'm tempted to and I'm reminded that God has given me this life. He is giving me this, this time and space. And I cannot waste my time comparing and criticizing and being jealous of other people. Because that's a bad use of the time and the talents and the resources and this breath that God has given me. Amen? So, don't run someone else's race. Get in the right race. Get in the right race. Second thing that we find in Hebrews 12 is trust in Jesus and his promise. It says this, looking to Jesus, so let's run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Listen, if, you know, if we want to run with endurance, if we want to make it to the end with our faith stronger than when we first began, if we want a holy endurance, then we must Look to Jesus, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith. We must trust in Jesus and his promise. For who, the joy, or, or, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So not only is Jesus our Savior, but he is our example. You see, Adam, you got Adam failed us, friends. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Adam is, is Genesis 1, God, who's the first man created, and he and Eve, they sinned and rebelled against God, and now we, as humans, every human on the planet, is identified as a sinner because we were given the nature of our father, Adam, who sinned from the beginning. So you and I, apart from Christ, are sinners, and we have no right standing before God. Nothing we can do can undo the wrong that we've done. We are hopeless. We are sinking in the middle of the ocean with no lifeboat, no life jacket, no puddle jumper for all of you parents with young kids out there. We are lost. Dead, the Bible describes it. Adam failed us. 
You see, the problem is, is that we, as humans, we get saved. We come to Jesus as we are, broken and dead and all. And just like Lazarus, when Jesus raised him from the dead, being dead three days, he came out of the grave with his grave clothes on. And what does Jesus tell Lazarus? He says, take your grave clothes off. And so many Christians are walking around churches with the clothes that Adam gave them. Bad attitudes, not trusting God, unforgiveness, uh, uh, you name the sin, pride and lying and and pornography use and masturbation and lust and and cheating and, and, and indulgence in alcohol and indulgence in drugs. And we come and we have all these poor mindsets and attitudes, lying and jealousy and gossip. And, and then we come to church and we still have our grave clothes on and Jesus is telling us, yo, fam, take the grave clothes off. Like, like, Take the grave clothes off. The problem is we identify with Adam more than we do with Jesus. We say, oh yeah, I can understand why Adam did that. Of course, he's your father. But you need to be what? John 3, born. Okay, this section's getting it. Born. You need to be born again. Stop, Stop relating to your past. Your past is what was killing you. You need to relate to that man, Jesus. You say, that's unrealistic, Jake. Oh, that's your grave clothes clothes talk, and you need to take those off and come to the altar, lay them there, and burn them at the cross because Jesus made you for more. Well, that you're just, you're just, you're, that's just, that's just, you don't, you didn't, you don't know what I went through, Jake. You don't know what I went through. If you knew what I went through, you'd understand. Listen, friends, if you knew what Jesus went through to buy you back, you would not be satisfied with your grave clothes. Listen, friends, your life is a gift that God has given you. He didn't give you just so you'd suffer and so you'd have to endure with with, with a pouty face and just woe is me and I'm a suffering servant. He gave you his spirit so you could suffer with a smile and you could be a light to everyone. You go to your work and they're like, hey, what's going on? You know, you you explain what life's going on, but why are you so happy? Listen, listen, this life is not my own. I better just sit here and I better just be happy because one day I'll stand before him and he's he's not gonna say, well done, complaining servant, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful, because you didn't look to Adam. You didn't look to your parents. You didn't look to your spouse. You looked to that man, Jesus. You picked up your cross, put it on your back, and Holy Spirit was right behind you, lifting it up. And he says, let's go. Man, stop looking to people. If you want to learn holy endurance, you've got to learn the art of, of ignoring bad, bad role models. You have to learn the art of, of silencing the voice of excuses. You have to, if you want a holy endurance before Jesus and our almighty God, you have to learn how to focus on Jesus when the world is clawing for your attention. It's like demons that are crashing at your door, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and TV and CNN and Fox News and all that is clawing in, trying to get in your headspace. The art of endurance is focus, friends. Whether you're in middle school, whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, whether you are a, a young married, whether you're a young single, whether you are any age group, the devil is coming with his strategies to derail you. And the, the art, and I know it's a simple answer, the art is focus on the man Jesus. Well, Jake, how do I do that? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I want that holy endurance. Amen. I want that endurance. You know what I'm talking about? Like that, that just like, 
that just like, not that I don't suffer and feel. Like I, we feel, right? You read the Psalms and David felt. He had emotion. He had questions. He had questions that he brought to God, but he always, notice what he did. He wrote them down because he brought them to God. You see, most of us vent to our spouse. Most of us vent to a friend and we never vent to God. You see, when you vent to God, he hears you and he laments with you and he grieves with you and then he shows you a way to view your problem. But if you complain to your friend and you cast your burden on him, then God can't care for you. But if you cast your burdens on him, if you cast your cares on God, he'll care for you. Too many people find too much comfort in their friend and have found not enough comfort in their friend Jesus who sticks closer than a, closer than a brother. He's closer than a brother because he comes at any point. Your brother might not answer your call. Your brother might not answer your call. Your sister might be busy. Your sister might be watching her kids. But your friend Jesus, your brother Jesus, your Savior Jesus is at your call every time when you do it with a sincere call. You might say, Jake, I don't feel it. Jake, I called out to God and I never felt it. I call out to God all the time and I don't feel anything. And I say, listen, I've never met a person who sincerely and consistently searched after Jesus, not find him. I've met cynical people. I've met people who have tried for two months and quit. I've met people who have, who have tried in one season and then gone back. And I've, seen, I've met people who have given up, but I've never met one person who endured. Because every time people search for Jesus, he says, you draw near to me, guess what? I draw near to you. I've seen people with pride go to God and not get an answer. I've never seen someone who is humble and broken and said, Jesus, I just want your presence with me. I just want, I just need endurance. I need help. I need perseverance. I need a, I need a, I need the wind to come to my back right now in this season because family is hard. And my finances are hard and my job is hard. All of this is hard and I feel like I'm losing my patience. I feel like I'm losing myself. I feel like I'm being drawn to sin like never before. I've never seen someone who comes to God just humbly ever be rejected by him because he doesn't reject anyone who comes to him that way. I want, to be, I want an endurance like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all know this story? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the culture in their time, there was, a, there was a king and he commanded that everyone bow to him in worship. Some of, some of us, we don't know how to relate to that. We're like, we don't have a king. No one's going to force us to bow down, you know, to the to the president, you know, so we're like, how do we relate to this? Listen, you might not have to bow down to a person, but they will try to force you to bow down to an ideology. They, they might not, they might not force you bound to, bow down to a person, but they might, they might, they might feel and they might put their, their pressure on you to think a certain way. And so we, we can't bow to that. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in this, in this, in this situation where they, they, are, they are Hebrew men who love and serve God, Yahweh, the, the God of the Israelite people, who is found in, like, that is our God. And so they won't bow to the king. And so the king decides to put them in a fiery furnace as punishment to kill them and murder them, to make a spectacle so that everyone else will bow. So they go into the furnace in, in, in the scriptures in Daniel describe it, that the guards who put the boys in the furnace died because it was so hot. So how many of you want an endurance that will last death? 
Man, that's a hard one. We say, we sing up here, we're like, Jesus, we love you, you're a miracle worker. Like, like a faith and endurance that when, they have, when they're about to put you in the furnace, you say, I will not compromise my faith and love for Jesus. So they put him in the fire. The guards are dead. And then, and then they look in the furnace and there's the three boys and then there's a fourth who's shining with a light. Jesus is in the fire with them and they, they don't die. They're in the fire and they don't die. So the, the, the king says, bring them out, bring them out. The fourth man disappears and they walk out and this is the best part of the whole story in my opinion. They walk out and it says their clothes didn't smell like smoke. Listen, there's a lot of other profound moments in that story but this is the one point I want to make. I want to be a person who when I go through stuff, I don't smell like the situation I was in. I want to be a person who has endurance through hardship, maybe in, in family or hardship with finances or hardship with, with any situation or health. I want to be a person who I don't wear my situation on my countenance. I want to be an enduring, enduring person who, who I look to Jesus and I consider the things he went through and it causes me to, with a holy endurance. Listen, friends, everyone has to endure. If you're sitting here, you're literally enduring as we speak. Like, you are living through a challenge in your life. Everyone has to endure. How are you enduring? How are you persevering? How are we living is the question. Everyone has to do it. How are you dealing with school and pressure? How are you dealing with parenting? How are you dealing with your marriage? How are you dealing with singleness? How are you dealing with the pressures and the difficulties in our life? And the way that I want to bring us to this point, my last point, doesn't mean I'm done yet, don't get too excited, <laughs> is I want to bring us to the last point in Hebrews 12. It says this, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So consider what Jesus went through. So the way that we do not grow weary or faint-hearted is to consider, not just look to him, so we look to him, but then it says consider him. And that word consider means to contemplate, to think over. So con contemplate, to think over, to not just brush over it, but to, to put yourself in Jesus' shoes. The way that we do not grow weary, the way that we have a holy endurance is to consider how Jesus endured the process of the cross. The way that we learn holy endurance is to consider the cross. So the cross is this demonic, cosmic experience where the, the pressures of darkness were closing in on Jesus. The devil was giving Jesus all he had from every angle. This, this darkness was, was just consuming Jesus. Sin was upon him. Not only your and my sin, but actual sin that was being committed against him. This darkness closing in on Jesus. Earlier in Jesus' life, Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness this is what the devil thinks about us humans. This is what he thinks about me and what he thinks about you. He thinks that you will fall because of your pride every time. 
Now, apart from the Holy Spirit, he's right about me. He brings Jesus up to a highest mountain. He shows him the kingdoms of the world. And he says, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms. The only reason the devil could tell him this is because it was true and it was accurate and he had the authority to give it to Jesus. So he, he appeals to the humanity of Jesus, even though, so Jesus is God, but he laid his divinity aside, as Philippians 1 teaches, to humble himself to be a man. He was still God, but he laid all of his privileges aside. And the devil thought, well, he's humbled himself as a man. I, be, I bet you I can get him through pride. I can get everyone through pride. Humans are so sinful, every time they can get, get their way, every time they can cut a corner, every time they can compromise to get ahead for selfish gain, they will do it. Since that in myself still that I bring to the Lord. But Jesus is a better man, amen? He thought it was going to be easy to trip Jesus up. This is going to be simple. But Jesus responds with strength, with scripture, and he does not compromise. See, the devil was convinced that Jesus would give up his divinity or his right or his mission for material gain, even if it meant forfeiting their values. You see, he gave Jesus the same temptation he gave Adam and Eve. The devil says, well, he couldn't get him with pride. Listen, if he can't get you through your pride, he'll try to get you through suffering. If he can't get you compromising your values and, and, and being a person of character, then he'll try to get you through suffering. And we feel that. If I close this, this demonic darkness on Jesus enough, he'll fold. I know how humans are. They can't take hardship. They can't take suffering. They always take it personal. They always blame God. They can't take disappointment. They can't take the sudden death of a loved one. I know humanity. Jesus will fold. I was teaching in the discipleship program, and we created this list of things that Jesus had to endure. If we have it, we can put it up. He was mocked. He was cursed and beaten. He was publicly stripped naked. What did you do the last time someone cursed you? How do you respond? How would you respond if somebody publicly stripped you naked and put you out in the public square for full embarrassment? The Roman soldier spit in his face. How would, how would you respond if, if somebody came and spit in your face today? If you want to try, I'll, I'll come and spit in your face if you want me to, just to give you a test. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I will not do that. He was betrayed by his closest friends. That hurts. He was wrongly accused, misunderstood, gossiped. And I remember we got, somebody gossiped about us a few years back. They were just saying like in, inaccurate things about me. And I just remember how I felt. I was so angry. <laughs> I was just like so mad. Jesus never, he, he, he didn't get angry. Consider what he went, listen, this is what it looks like slowly. 
Consider every facet of what Jesus went through. If you don't want to grow weary or faint-hearted, if you want a holy endurance, then you have to slow down, friends. You can't just glance at Jesus and look to him and throw on a worship song and, and have your little reminder you know, on your phone. You need to slow down and consider what Jesus went through. Consider the suffering that he experienced from sinners so that you don't grow weary or faint of heart. He was tortured and ultimately he was executed. The most innocent person who's ever lived was being executed, and even worse, as a criminal. All Jesus ever did was good. He healed a man who was blind from birth. He gathered crowds of over 10,000 and he fed all of them. He healed a leopard from their skin disease and their social excommunication. He, gives me, uh, he, he, he forgives a, and protects a woman caught in adultery who is going to be uh, stoned to death and he forgives her. He delivers a pair of demonically tormented men who are banned from their community. He washes the feet of his disciples. You guys, Jesus only ever did good. He only ever taught what was true because he was a perfect representation of God. Jesus is God from the beginning. He only ever did good and yet he was being murdered and executed and humiliated and executed as a criminal. This darkness closing in on him, this darkness and demonic powers, the devil was convinced that Jesus was full, would fold. He was convinced that he would take all of his humanity and he would, just, he would just burst out in his divinity and destroy everyone. He was convinced that Jesus was not the man he said he was. He was convinced that Jesus was just like Adam. I know if it was me, I would have not made it. I would have been like, God, these guys are bozos. I spent three years with these guys, and now they're betraying me. I heal their sick. I feed them. I heal their blind. I only ever speak truth. I am the nicest guy in town, and yet they are calling me a criminal, God. And you know their hearts, God. I know their hearts. They're all wicked. They're all hypocrites. They're the ones who should be on this cross. They're the ones who should die in their sin, God. I am done. Let's start over. You were right when you, when you, when you dealt with them like you did with no. Oh, well, God, this is not it. Well, that's how I would have handled it. It's not how Jesus handled it. He could have gotten down, guys. It says in Matthew 26, 53, Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? This was when he, when he was being arrested. Rick Renner did a study and found that that was about 72,000 angels. So Jesus, at any point, could just could sick like 72,000 angels and rescue him and take care of the whole situation. He doesn't do it. Consider what he went through. I'll say it one more time. Uh, Hebrews 12, 3. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus shows us what holy endurance looks like. So how does Jesus respond this darkness closing in. His friends have all betrayed him. He's, he's naked, publicly ashamed, and he's hanging on a cross that was made for sinners and for criminals. He says this in Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
darkness was closing in. And every person who's ever existed would have reached their breaking point. Every person who's ever existed would have took it personal. But Jesus looks at them and for the joy set before him, he endured the cross because the joy set before him was a humanity that would look just like him. And this verse comes to mind. John 1 verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, Jesus broke the four-minute mile. Jesus opened up the possibility for humans to endure hardship with a holiness and a joy and with a, with a, with a presence of the Holy Spirit. He, he, he broke the barrier so that we could live a life of meaning in the midst of suffering. He opened the barrier so that we can, we can, we can take offense and not be offended. He, he, he lived a life and showed us what true humanity was meant to look like. And the devil wants us to look at Adam, and he's saying, no, friends, look at our Savior. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint heart. The crazy thing about this whole thing, so Jesus does this, and we're like, yeah, Jake, okay, we get it. He was Jesus. He was Jesus. You've outed yourself, that's an excuse, okay? You can't do that. You can't do that. Here's why. In Acts 7, Stephen goes up and preaches a message of faith in Jesus. Stephen was an early apostle, or an early Christian. He goes up and preaches a message. And all the, all the religious leaders... They gather a crowd and they stone him to death. He's sitting there being held with rocks and they're throwing these stones at Stephen, who was a Christian. He was just like you and I. He was a human who believed in Jesus. He was a human who looked at and saw that man Jesus on a cross, saw him raised from the dead, and he said, there's a new way to live, guys. I'm not going back to my grave clothes. I'm going towards a better way. No excuse. He's in the midst of being stoned, and this is what he says. He says he looks at heaven, and, he see, and Jesus and the Father are standing there. Jesus is, is there, and he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. There's no excuse. Jesus did it. Stephen did it. I can do it. Not by my strength, not by my might, but by the Spirit of God, says the Lord. I am not settling for grave clothes. I am not settling for a halfway life. I have seen the Savior. He showed me how to live, and I am aiming towards that life. I might fall to the left. I might fall to the right. I might walk through a valley of the shadow of death, but I won't fear no evil, because my God, you are with me. Your, your rod and your staff, they comfort me, and you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. It's like David had a revelation of what we have, that we can endure with intimacy and friendship with God and shine our light so the world can say there is something different about those Jesus people. There's something different about them. They have something that they, even though they go through the fire, they don't smell like smoke. The problem with our culture is we have too many Christians smelling like smoke. Not because you smoke cigarettes, but because we smell like our circumstance. 
Oh, man, friends, let's smile. Let's have that fragrance be the fragrance of the Spirit that comes up with prayers and petitions in the Spirit and is with us and he teaches us what it looks like to be human again. You guys, this is not a, this is not a, a, a process that happens overnight. This is a journey in a relationship that you walk with God with. That every day he shows you the little areas of life that you're, that you're not living to your potential and you don't take it personal. You don't beat yourself up. There's no condemnation. For those that are in Christ Jesus, you just sit there and you just say, God, you're with me. And when you sin and you fall and you say something or you look at something or you do something, you just say, God, I'm going to endure. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. There's some people here watching online or you're in the room and you feel like giving up because you're beating yourself up. And my friends, the solution for those that are on a spiritual high or in the valley, the solution is the same, friends. You look to Jesus for endurance. You look to Jesus for hope. You don't take it personal. You don't look at your sin. You don't look at any of those things. You look to the one who cleanses you from sin. You look at the one who threw your sin in the sea of forgetfulness. You don't look at your life as, as, as a condemnation of yourself. You look to Jesus who forgives and saves anyone who will come to him. He, he, he took the adulterous woman who was sleeping around. He took the tax collector who was a thief. He took all of the broken, marginalized people of society. And he said, come to me, all who are weary. He says, but I will warn you. If you come to me, you must deny yourself. You must pick up your cross. And you must follow me. Friends, but when we deny ourselves, we're only denying that dead person. We're only denying those grave clothes that don't look good on you. Y'all look better in those holy clothes. Amen? Y'all look better in, in, the, in, the cloth of, in, the, in the clothing of righteousness that Jesus bestows on you when you express your trust and faith in him. Would you guys bow your heads and let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We consider you. How we just consider you, God, how you humbled yourself. God, the creator of the universe, stepped into creation to save us from sin by dying on the cross, but also showed us the way to live. We consider how you took all of that sin upon yourself, the betrayal, the misunderstanding, the abuse, the embarrassment, the gossip. God, you took all of that and all of our sin on you. And God, you never changed. You never changed your mind about humanity even though we have constantly betrayed you. God, I just thank you for your unchanging nature and your unchanging love. Jesus, there is no one like you. If you're here tonight and you need to get right with God, the only way you can do that is putting your trust in Jesus. 
that man who hung on that cross and who rose from the dead to show us what we were really supposed to look like. If you need to get right with God tonight, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand and I want to pray with you. One, two, three. Just raise it up if that's you. I want to pray with you. If you're watching online, if you're making that decision right now, God bless you. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your goodness and the encouragement that you've given us tonight through your word. And I pray, God, that we would take it to heart and that we would consider Jesus. We would consider what he went through. God, that we might be the type of people that would spread the aroma of the goodness of God in every area of our spheres of influence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.